Top MMA voices Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mindenhall, and Pizza Carroll are live on the Spotify Greenroom app for every major MMA card with the Ringer MMA show. Hear the guys react to weigh-ins in real time and find out what they think of the fights the moment the final card ends. Plus, when breaking MMA news happens, they'll be live to talk to you about it. And if you missed the Green Room show, you can hear it as a podcast anytime on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin! Berto, how good are you feeling this morning? Just be honest with you. How good are you feeling? Scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> I'd say I'd say 10. 52? I'd say 10. Yeah, not I'd 52. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not 52. You didn't, you didn't break the scale last night with John Morant doing uh, everything he did. You know, <laughs> tell me what he did. What was the best John Morant moment in last night's 52 point performance by him? The best moment. I I tweeted this out, Kev. I almost flipped over the table <laughs> when he dunked on Portal. <laughs> like, and everything was still buzzing. From that, you know, and you're seeing the world react to it on social media. And then in in the meantime, he pulls a long three. He snakes all the way through to the basket and hits a layup. And then to cap it off the last play of the half, (laughs) him catching it in midair and in one motion, throwing it up virtually behind the backboard (laughs) as he falls into the bench. And that capped off the best, that is the most spectacular performance I have ever seen in a half in my life. I have been going, you could probably count on two hands the amount of home games I've missed in 21 years. 
probably two hands. And that includes the 20-win, 22-win seasons. So, I mean, I've been to all of them. And quarter performance, you know, there is a the first year that the start of the playoff run, 2011, Zach Randolph had 17 to put away the Spurs in a game six in the fourth quarter. And I thought I'd never see anything like that again. And especially probably with the stakes that high. But what this guy was doing last night and the buzz in that arena is like nothing that could ever be replicated in a regular season game. (laughs) Like, They've only played, you got to keep in mind, they've been going on this run. They've been playing great. They were 8-2 and in the last month. They only played three home games in February. So home fans did not get to see them very much. And so this was the opportunity to go and get to see him for the first time. And he had just dropped the franchise record, 46, in Chicago over the weekend. And then he turns around and breaks that record and has 52 on the home floor. He had 39 going into the fourth, and we knew he's going to go get this. He's going to go get 50 tonight. And so he got the 52, but I was honestly like almost at a loss for words. You, I posted the video this morning. Somebody cut up all 22 field goals. He's 22 for 30 from the field, and he only made four free throws in the game. So they're all, all those 52, that's buckets in all these insane ways that he made them. And I believe I read that they are, he is the, it's only four times in NBA history has someone hit less free throws in a 50-point game. That's how rare that was last night to only have four free throws. Because if you're getting to 50, you usually got to have a crazy amount of free throws. Uh, But last night, Jamal Murray, and I had forgotten about this, Jamal Murray had a 50-point game where he had zero free throws. I mean, that's insane. Jamal Murray had a 50 that he had zero. Dana Barrows. Scored 50 points and had two free throws in a game. And the other one was Chris Webber. Chris Webber scored 51 once with three free throws. And so when you team hmm. all that up, um, you know, and, and that's probably why it leads to even more spectacular because there's usually a lot of downtime in these games and the game and the and the buckets just aren't all so freaky. But that was that was unlike anything I have ever seen in my life, honestly. I mean, how many times have I said to you, Chris, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be 10 years old, 14 years old, whatever age you might be, being a kid rooting for Ja Morant. Just a kid rooting for Ja Morant. Like He, he does so much magical stuff on the court. Like you said, it's, it's not just... It's not just him throwing in the ball at the end of the shot clock. It's not just the big pull-up three he took from 40 feet away. It's not just the big dunk. It's just the way he slices through the lane and glides through to the basket and finishes with either hand. Ja just feels like a superhero. He he has a great name, Ja Morant. It's a great name. 
and he loves Memphis as well. He does. I, I, I was thinking about that with him the other night. How many stars have there really been? Like there have been stars who have been embraced by their cities, but how many stars have embraced the city in the way John Morant has? Because uh, I, I feel like like the way he tweets, the way he talks about it at All Star Weekend, not not a lot of guys I can remember that love a city uh, or a region the way Ja does. It's a perfect fit because he was he's from a small place in South Carolina, so he's from the South. Um, a lot of the same things that people value are the same in Memphis, right? Family, loyalty, um, being a good person, like all of those things, you know what I'm saying? Like these ingrained, uh, the hospitality, like all of those things. That's what he grew up around, like a community house where everybody was hanging out at their house and coming over to play basketball and, you know, and, and the other thing was the counted out or counted against the chip on the shoulder thing, being a small market. And he went to a small school, which he was only there because he was at a basketball camp. He was at a Chandler Parsons basketball camp. And all of the good players, so-called good players, were in the other gym. <laughs> and he was in an auxiliary gym. And a guy named James Kane, who is now the one of the assistant coaches for Anthony Grant at Dayton, was driving there and had not stopped. So he was hungry. And he went over to the vending machine to grab something to eat because he was hungry. And the vending machine was next to the auxiliary gym. And he looked in. And there was a group of kids playing in the auxiliary gym and he saw him and he went in and he asked who that is. And then, and like the rest is history. And then nobody wanted him. He wasn't even, he wasn't, imagine this. He's at an AAU camp, like like a camp for coaches to see all the college coaches are in the other gym. He's on a side gym. And so you've got all that that comes along with him and like that whole underdog, nobody believes in me, and it all it all fit perfectly. Not only is it the South, but it is all where he's comfortable, but also that mentality of nobody thinks much of this or that, and he feels like nobody thought that much of him. And so the something to prove thing, but it is... He has he has taken this crazy leap that not even uh, nobody could have expected. It's outrageous. It's truly outrageous. When um, Isaiah Thomas scored fifty three points uh, against the Wizards in the playoffs, I, I th- I've been to a lot of loud Celtics games. Loud Celtics games. I, I think that might be the the loudest one I ever went to because the emotion in the arena tied to Isaiah Thomas's family situation at the time and all that with his sister passing, but, um, and him, him coming back from an injury for that matter too. It was so loud. I just, it was loud. It felt like a rock concert, um, but in terms of decibel levels, but that was fans cheering at Memphis last night through the TV. I wasn't in the arena. It felt loud. How oh. loud was it last oh night? Cause what was the energy like in that? Outrage. building? It was, yes, it was like a, it was like a concert. <laughs> because it's because that's cool. It's absolute pandemonium. And then I go on and I'm and I'm helping out with the post game show, and we've got glass behind us. I thought the 
There's like little kids beating on that glass. Like they're so fired up. And when you were talking about being a little kid and what you imagine, my son just turned 12. I'm not lying to you. I would guess 60% of the clothes he wears has John Morant on it in some form. <laughs> and that's not just because he, that's just not because of dad. That's no. every kid, right? A t shirt, yeah. <laughs> a t shirt, a t shirt jersey, a hoodie, mm-hmm. something. Something. So cool. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you like you were saying, he texted, he texted me last night, my son did, during the game, and he's like, he has to get 50. Like, all right, <laughs> right when he's sitting on 39. And yeah, I mean, that's all. It's not, and it's not just kids. It's all anybody will be talking about in the city for some time. And it's a blessing, honestly, to get to, to get it. We've never had anything like that in Memphis. Nothing, nothing even close. Um, not somebody that's leading Sports Center for six minutes, you know, last night. And so, it was great to see, and especially look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bag on the Spurs. The Spurs were that was the eighth game of the rodeo road trip last night. But even Greg Popovich after the game, he said, "I wish I would have had a camera." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's seen. He's seen. He's seen a lot of great performances in his life. Yeah, but he's like, "I wish I would have mm-hmm. had a camera at that one." That was crazy. Just special, man. What he he's put special. on, and. uh so now they ended up finishing out that month eight and two, and they really do have a chance at the two seed, Kevin, because Golden State, watching them the other night, I I still can't believe they lost that Dallas game. <laughs> you know, after watching it even, I still can't believe. And they, they had like eight points in the first like 10 minutes of that fourth quarter and just gave that thing away. And they just, their their record has just not been great. And they desperately need Draymond back and now obviously Clay being out with illness Um, but that may be extremely important because the difference between six and seven is going to be immense if you draw six you're getting either Dallas Utah or Denver Mm -hmm. if you draw seven you're getting whoever comes out of that play in big difference Big, Big difference. difference. Yeah. I mean, and you, might, you might end up like you, it could be the Clippers without George and Leonard. And even though that's been a competitive team, give me that team over the the squad with Jokic and possibly Murray and Porter Jr. Or Luca on the role he's on. I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer in terms of matchups, what you're looking for. Yeah. So that two seed becomes something that is extremely valuable to these teams. Other things that happen around the NBA. How about Towns in the place? We know he can shoot threes in that arena. And he hit a monster one last night against Cleveland. We've talked about Cleveland and kind of, you know, I don't want to say the free fall, but, you know, that they've got a tough road to hoe and they've got a really tough road to hoe without Garland. Um, so it's hard to judge when they don't have Garland in the mix. Of course, they had Ron, uh, they had Rondo, which had replaced Rubio, and then they lost Rondo. Mm-hmm. And so and now, you, now you got Brandon Goodwin starting in the backcourt. Yep, Brandon Goodwin starting in the backcourt, and so a little tough for Cleveland right now. But I got to tell you, Minnesota might be the hardest team for me to figure out. 
you you can what they I think they're and this was what kind of makes them dangerous in a playoff in a play-in situation. I feel like their their ceiling game and their floor game amongst the good teams, like I think it might be the widest discrepancy. Like when they are at their best, they can be devastating. And when they're at their worst, I mean, you feel like, geez Louise, they could get beat by anybody. And I don't know if anybody else that's good has that wide of a range of possible performances. And, I mean, because you know, if you catch a, you know, whether it's Russell, Towns, Edwards, any of those guys can be great. When they are simultaneously great, you've got a massive problem on your hands. So I don't know. What do you make of them? I can't figure them out. I mean, they're they're such a a, a strange group. If it, remember remember mid January ish or so, what we were talking about Minnesota. Oh, they have a top ten defense. Uh, you know, are they, are they making the leap on that end of the floor? Can they figure out their offense? I mean, since mid January, they have the league's number one offensive rating, but their defense have has moved into the bottom five. So like they've flipped what they were earlier in the season when they were still a competitive team, still in the play-in race. Now they've just become the best offense in basketball, but one of the worst defenses. It's just, it's so strange how they can't seem to figure out how to become top 10 in both. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, But for a team that's done both at different times of the season, you wonder if some somehow down the final stretch here, this is how they can take this time to piece together both ends of the court. Because right now, it just seems to be one or the other. When they're scoring, they're not defending. When they're defending, they're not scoring. Just it's a, a great point. Group. But they're, they're just a young team, though. Doesn't that happen with a lot of young teams, though? Yeah, I mean, no, but it's a great point, and that actually explains the volatility. Because it is shots go in or shots don't go in. Coaches will always tell you, we want to be great on defense, because that's something we can count on every night. Right? You can count on being very good defensively, and that's going to keep you in games. The nights where you're not knocking down shots, you can still come away with some wins. And they are in a position now where if you're defensively playing at that level, they have to knock down shots. So on the night that they've got it going and they're really good on offense, they look like a juggernaut. And then on the nights that shots aren't dropping for them, obviously their defense can't hold the fourth down. So fascinating. You know what I mean? And maybe that's why, as this season has gone on, I've been so confused. How how could you not be confused? They were good defensively, and now they're horrendous defensively. And they were okay offensively, and now they're great offensively. (laughs) Like, they don't know what they are. How can I? Do you see... Do you see any, so right now, like just to set the standings, they're in the seven seed at the moment and they're three and a half games back from Denver for the six and Dallas for the five because Dallas and Denver have the same record. Um, I mean, we just said earlier, it's it's likely the six seed will be Denver, Dallas, or Utah. There's two and a half games separating those three teams. But like I just said, Minnesota's three and a half back from two of those spots. Do you see? Do you see any chance that Minnesota could move up rather than, you know, stay where I they just are think, in the plan. You know, look, with the amount of games left, 
it's really hard because you would really need somebody to have a free fall. It's hard to make up three and a half games. Yeah, that, that it is, is. Top of, in twenty-ish games. That is a lot to make up because even a bad stretch for those teams is like six and four. But they do have Dallas one twice. They face Dallas twice, Denver once. They would have so to win those, obviously. But gotta, they also gotta win those, of course. But so like that can that can close the gap pretty quickly if you do beat Dallas twice. Sure, it's not Could impossible. Happen. I I don't think they're beating Dallas twice, but yeah, hey, in, you got to win those. In absolutely. your scenario, I'm just saying you. In order to make up three and a half games, you need like these two and eight, three and seven stretches out of those teams, and I think it is more likely that those teams are going to be playing seven and three. Six and four at worst basketball, you know, and then they'll, you know, they might very well sprinkle in a eight of 10, nine of 10. Those are good teams. Those are better teams than Minnesota. They are. And so just betting that they would be able to hold their lead and that Minnesota wouldn't play at a, at a much higher win rate than them down these last 20 games isn't that far fetched. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Other performances last night. So Morant got all of the headlines, but there was a rookie that certainly should have gotten a lot of notice, and that was Scotty Barnes. We have had a couple of these performances, whether it's a Cunningham game or it's Josh Giddy or Jalen Suggs has had some moments. But last night, Scotty Barnes, like it's it's one of those moments where, you know, I go back and I watch the highlights. And you're watching them going, Jesus, man, like what, what is the ceiling on this dude? <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, he he can't even shoot yet. Like, what is he going to be? Because, man, I love his motor. They're beating the shit out of the Nets. He's going hard still. <laughs> he's, he's always going hard. Always. And he's long as he can be. And this is his first time through doing all of this. And it's scary to think that that kid's going to fill out even more. He's still just a baby. But for for as much as at the beginning, uh, when I went through the draft, that was kind of a surprise that he went where he did. Not as much by the time we got to draft day, but certainly throughout draft analysis. But Kevin, uh, Toronto has got a very, very special player on the horizon. Yeah, but Scotty Barnes, uh, last night, I, I guess, you know, first rookie since Shaquille O'Neal to post 25 plus points, 15 plus rebounds, and five steals. Sheesh. Um, I mean, impressive. Uh, 25, 15, and five for him to do that. And I, I think with Scotty Barnes, 
what he, everything he did last night was really just a continuation of everything we've seen throughout the season with the versatility on defense, uh, the scoring ability inside, the floater that he has. Doesn't he have such a nice floater, Chris? <laughs> His floater so soft for a big guy. Like he he's come in with a a really good floater, and um, I, I think with him, it's weird. Like we're talking about how good Scotty Barnes was last night. I I feel like if Toronto wanted to they could get this out of Scotty Barnes even more often. Because uh, like this year, they've Van Vliet's obviously their main energizer on offense, but they've had stretches where OG Ananobi was the guy getting fed those isos and pick and rolls. They had stretches when it was Barnes. Um, like They haven't had stretches where it was Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is one of the most efficient isolation scorers in all of basketball. One of the most efficient shooters off the dribble, but he doesn't get a high usage uh, like, but they have guys Barnes and, and Trent, especially that I feel like if they wanted to say, Hey, go out there and score 25 points every night, you're getting the, the, the requisite amount of shots. Those guys could do it. Like, I think Barnes is that good already. Uh, like I, I would be curious to see down the final 20 games here. If they just fed him the ball and said, Hey, you're the center of our offense. What would happen? I would just love to see that because last night's game uh, was really just like a continuation of everything we've seen. So hard, too, because look, you you talked about, I think you mentioned the other four guys or three guys that are a lot on, of guys. On, that, on that court. You didn't even mention Siakam. Who's having yeah. an all-star <laughs> caliber season? I mean, yeah. Barnes is like he's ran, he's ran point this year too. Barnes is like fifth option stuff for this team. Yep, yeah. Sometimes he is, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I mean, uh, they play very balanced, and Lord knows they play the minutes. He's out there. <laughs> There's has no chill. That's the thing. They they the sh- they share the ball, and like I say that as some theoretical, but the truth is is that. That's not the way the Raptors want to play. They want to feature guys at different times with different matchups. And with Barnes, he's the perfect player for situations like that because he has size. He can provide defense and rebounding on any night. But on the nights where he has some advantageous matchup, you can throw him the ball on the elbow and allow him to be a playmaker. You can throw him the ball at the top of the key and have him run a pick and roll. You can have him set screens. He can just be plugged into any type of situation at all and he's a willing passer uh, we saw that in last night's game with some of the quick decisions that he made uh, so I don't know man like, well I, and it I, called I, for I, I it last Barnes. night because Fred wasn't playing in that game yeah of course um, you know Ananobi uh, wasn't playing in that game but you take those guys I, I don't know if I'd have to go look if Ananobi's had 25 in a game but if you said like your top five guys all had because Siakam, Trent, Barnes with the 28 last night. He had 28 and 16. Uh, and he had five steals and a block. Um, and then you say Ananobi and Van Vliet. I mean, that's like their small lineup they can get to. Uh, that may be the – I don't know if there's any other five where every guy has got had a 25-point game. I mean, I'm assuming Ananobi's probably at a 25 this year. So forgive me if he hasn't, but we should probably look that up. I can look it up to find out. But yeah, I'm, I'm on if right he now, has, so. then you've got five guys when you were talking about how they can share the ball. They have five guys that have dropped 25 or more points 
uh, in a game this year. I mean, hell, he's averaging 17 and a half. So I'd imagine he's probably had a 25 uh, sprinkled in, maybe even a 30, for goodness sakes, this year. It'd be kind of crazy if not. But, yeah, they have just been balanced as can be. All right, Kevin, you got it? You got their point totals? Yeah, so, all right, Gary Trent Jr. has the high for the Raptors this season at 42 points. He did that against the Rockets in February. Van Vliet, high of 37. OG Ananobi, high of 36 back in November against the Knicks a long time ago. Siakam, a high against the 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 Nuggets, 35 points. So that that's what we got. We have multiple guys. All four of them have had over 35 and Barnes, the high, of course, was last night of 28. Has not yet cracked 30. Neither has anybody else on the team. Boucher had 28 at one point. Boucher had 28. Okay, that it feels like, again, I'd have to go do all the research, but has somebody else really had six guys that have had 28 points in a game? <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's a good question. That's that crazy. Question. To have 28, that's six different players? and. Hell, Barnes was the only one that hasn't had 35. You reeled off four guys that have had 35 points in a game this year. Good grief. That and is. Trent's, and Trent's, like him having 42. I, I had the stat in my uh, Monday article on the Ringer where, like, I just kind of found a stat by accident looking up isolation numbers on, on Second Spectrum. If you look at like the higher usage ISO guys, guys who have done it a hundred times, OG Ananobi of the 70 or so players ranks last in isolation efficiency. Fred Van Vliet was second to last in isolation efficiency. But Gary Trent Jr., meanwhile, was third up there with the stars like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and James Harden. And granted, the circumstances and the context is so different. He's facing weaker defenders on a more regular basis than those guys are. It just made me think about like, wow, they, they, they're feeding the ball to some less efficient scorers when they have thus far this year, one of the statistically most efficient scorers in Gary Trent Jr. We've seen what he can do when you give him 25 shots, he can get 40 for you. He can get 30 plus for you. I guess with Toronto, that's something that's on my mind a lot because they have so much talent. I just wonder, well, what happens if you give Barnes the ball every night and say, you're our lead playmaker. You're our offensive hub in the half court. You're getting the ball at the elbows. You're facilitating. I wonder what happens if you force feed the ball to Gary Trent Jr., who is a, has been an elite isolation scorer, an elite shooter off the catch, coming off screens as well, on or off ball. I just wonder what happens. I, I, I think if, it's fair to say they're doing it the right touches. way. Then. They're doing yeah, it. Yeah, right I, I know, but I'm. I guess it's just a. It's just a thought on my mind, though, with the Raptors because they're a good, not great team. But you have some guys that can do some great things. Well, they're now. I, I just wonder what happens if you they know, if they Boston's change in to, the future. Boston and Cleveland are going to have to hold them off because you know they're going to be fighting to get in that six seed to get out of this play-in situation. And it looks right now that Cleveland would be the most likely to drop, but they're only a game and a half back from Boston for that six seed. And that's going to be a dogfight down the stretch just to try to stay out of that play-in scenario. And Brooklyn is supposed to be getting Kevin Durant back. Either Thursday or Sunday was the optimistic view that came out this week. And so they get their guys back. You know they're going to be trying to get on a win streak so that they can stay out 
of that play-in situation. Because not only staying out of the play-in situation, but that you would feed into the the one or two seed, depending on what takes place in that play-in situation. Um, so you're desperately going to want to try to get out of that. And they are three and a half out of six right now is Brooklyn. So they would need a lot of help. They would need a couple of these teams to falter. Um, on the other end of that play-in is Charlotte, who is just, I, I feel so bad for them. You know, at the beginning of the season, my prediction was based upon Hayward. And I said, I I saw what happened when they lost him. They're a really good and possibly dangerous team with Gordon Hayward. Same thing happened this year. And I just cannot believe he'll stay healthy for a season. And if he doesn't, I saw what effect that has on that team. And I'll be damned. It happened to him again. They lost Hayward. And now they're two and eight in their they last were 26 10. and 20. 26 and 20. And when he got hurt. Same thing happened last year. They were in a top five seed last year mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Yep. They're they're four and twelve since the Hayward injury. Ugh. And he's played I, I think he played like a, a little bit of one game during that, or maybe two two games during that stretch. And they lost all three of those. I mean, it's obviously a lot of money invested in a guy. And so you you really have to have depth in order to make it after you lose a high-paid player off of your team uh, that's not able to contribute. But also, it's that keep-the-ball-moving secondary playmaker for LaMelo, too. Because there's a lot of guys, you watch that team, there's a lot of guys that are either, you know, go get a bucket myself or you have to set them up. But it's not a lot of guys that set up each other. And and that may that, that, that could even be true with Rozier. It's true with Bridges. It's true with Oubre. It's true with Plumlee. Like, just having somebody else that keeps that ball moving seems just essential to what they do. It makes his absence become of outsized importance, if that makes any sense. It shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't lose Gordon Hayward and turn to crap. (laughs) But they have. Two years in a row they have. Lost him, and it's just a radically different basketball team. Sucks for them. I I, I hate it. Because that's a fun, like, up-and-coming, should-be-getting-playoff-lumps team and they're going to be fighting to stay in this play-in, and even if they get in the play-in, probably like last year, where they get into the play-in and just get drilled. You see that play the other night uh, against Detroit when Lamelo Ball stole the inbound from Jeremy Grant, and it was kind of a lazy, you know, inbound pass, and Lamelo Ball stole it, spun around last second before the clock, and almost won the missed game. The jump shot, uh, almost, almost, almost. That just kind of just felt like the Hornets season where it's like very exciting, a lot, a lot of great moments, but then an L in the end. Um, well, hey, were you watching? Were you watching that game? Not the whole game, no. Okay, I actually was watching that one. Yo, Sadiq Bay. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> like there. he's yeah. like hitting like one foot fadeaway threes. I mean, he was awesome and he big too. And then at the very end of the game. The announcers are like, 
and the uh, the Pistons, uh, they put in Kelly Olynyk. Like Kelly Olynyk hadn't even been playing. He hadn't even been playing in the game. Like I hadn't seen Kelly Olynyk since I started watching this game in the fourth quarter. I didn't feel like and or notice him. And then they throw it into him. A guy hits a damn fadeaway baseline game winner. And I was like, oh, Lord. And I felt bad. I felt bad for those Hornets announcers. You know, I love that guy, Eric Collins. But that was tough. That was tough. <laughs> Kelly Olenek dagger in the, uh, you know, on the baseline. It's going to be interesting to see what Charlotte does. I mean, because you you have a, a star in Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, a star, you know, really quotations around that at this point. Um, you have a star in him, but you have Miles Bridges, who is going to be getting paid this offseason. Detroit or some other team could give him a max contract offer sheet. If you match that, uh, you get LaMelo's deal coming up in a couple of years. You already have Hayward on the books. It's just going to be interesting to see the way they build this thing out around LaMelo Ball because he's really, really good already. Really good already. Um, and are you going to pay Bridges? That's the big question. Yeah, I would think you're going to pay Bridges. He's an excellent player. Well, he's also a, a wonderful fit on the wing next to LaMelo Ball. This, is, this team severely needs to solve its center uh, problem. Um, and they also got to find somebody they can rely on. You can't rely on Gordon Hayward anymore. As sad as that is to say, what what evidence has he shown in four years to suggest that he can be relied on to stay healthy? He just there's none of it. It's unfortunate to say like he's been a good player for years, but there if you're the Charlotte Hornets right now and you're trying to build a competitive team around Lamelo Ball while he's on his rookie contract, take advantage of that. Uh, Gordon Hayward moving forward. I don't think that's your answer. I don't know if you can find a place for him, though. I don't know if you can find a place for him. I don't know what you're going to flip him for. Like, what? Like, what's the value right now for Gordon Hayward? Uh, you got to hope that I mean, Indiana. It's a, it's a, it's a, you like, got to hope that Indiana wants the reunion. <laughs> it's a tough spot to be in, man. I mean, there were the Indiana rumors during this season with the Miles Turner stuff, but of course, Indiana ends up trading Sabonis. Mm-hmm. And now they, they're probably going to keep Turner unless they wanted to also flip Turner during the offseason. When you don't know with their trajectory now with their with the no. Buddy Heald and Halliburton and kind of what they're how they're thinking about rebuilding on the go or reloading yeah. on the go, whichever it is. It'll just be interesting to see what Charlotte does because there's a lot that, sh- that could shift and a lot that needs to shift for that team too. They were right in the mix too. I just, I hate, I hate this has happened to them. Um, since we last spoke, Kevin, they could slip out. They could slip out. They're only up two games on Washington, two, two games up on the wizards. The wizards are free flowing though. The other way, the Knicks are also, uh, losing a lot of games. So that's, that's working in Charlotte's favor that the wizards and Knicks just aren't winning games. Today's episode of the mismatch is brought to you by USAA insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority and USAA homeowners insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy and you can do it all right in the USAA app and they offer many discounts to help their members save that could put your wallet at ease too. 
Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Since we last spoke, Kevin, you asked me at the beginning of the show, you were like, what was it like in that arena? And so I'm going to send you on a recognizance mission. I need you to go to the crypto center. And I got, I want to know what that's like. They got booed off the damn floor. <laughs> booed. Booed. You see that video of LeBron and uh, Ariza and then Westbrook barking at a fan? There, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is it a home game? <laughs> Jeannie Buss, and somebody posted that video of her getting up and walking out when they were down by 20. Yo, what is going on? They just got run out by the Pelicans on their home floor. And it felt like, oh, geez. Like, that's when you know Vogel is going to be safe for the season no matter what. Because if there was going to be a, we're kicking you to the curb, we're blaming the coach, that would have been the moment after that one. With the murmurs in the crowd, the booing, Jeannie walking out, the whole thing. Um, what do you make of this? I mean, what are they even going to be in the damn play-in? <laughs> they are just. I, I can't. I I can't believe it that they're this bad right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is shocking that they're this bad. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't make the play-in. Uh, they're two and a half games up on, on Portland. Uh, three and a half up on San Antonio. I'd be surprised if they slipped out unless LeBron got shut down, but I don't see why LeBron would get shut down. I, I still think the, I still think the Lakers, at least people, some people internally believe they can win around. If you get a healthy Anthony Davis back, you get LeBron James. I still think there's belief that they can make a little bit of a run. Um, but is that belief uh, rooted in uh, some fantasy? Uh, is it rooted in reality? I, I'm not so sure about that here because I think the one thing with the Lakers, the reason why that team gets booed off the floor is because of the lack of effort. It is the lack of effort that team put out there. I mean, I, I've been in in a lot of arenas where I've seen effort and hustle not get respected in the way that I remember growing up with going to Celtics games uh, where arenas are quiet and they don't respond to that high energy in ways that I'm used to, but going to, you know, going to Staples Center's games for years and now crypto center. <laughs> uh, I, I think Lakers fans are the same way. Lakers fans respond to energy and effort. That's why like Caruso became a guy that they loved just in just last season. Why it was so hard to lose a guy like that. Lakers fans respond to that. And this team, the lack of energy on defense, the way they didn't fight back, uh, this is a team that didn't put out that effort and they rightfully were booed off the floor. The way they lost to the Pelicans without Zion losing by 40 points, it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. 
Is there any hope for this team, though? Do you still have like any, even a sliver of hope? Yes. You do? I hate yeah, to say cause, that. Because they have LeBron and AD, right? To, uh, it's like, as simple as that. Like I've told you, I think if you have those two guys, you can put me, you, and Jesse, and you got a chance. Yeah. I mean. I, I agree with you, Chris. I just, I, I hate to <laughs> yeah. say that's true, but it's yeah. true. It's the truth. It's the truth. Exactly. I texted some Lakers fans uh, the other day. I was like, hey, do you think LeBron should shut it down? You know, just rest up for the rest of the year to stay healthy for next season. Just out of curiosity to see what they would say. And most of them said, hell no, he should play. He should go for the points and we can still win. Like that's what some Lakers fans are saying. We can still win around with LeBron and AD. Um, I don't think they're necessarily wrong. And I don't think LeBron should shut it down either. I think he should continue playing for the same reasons, but um it's just, it's just interesting to see the way Lakers fans are talking about this team now. Let's say they... All right, so seven plays eight, and then you, and you play out, right? But let's just say it ended up, because we talked about it at the beginning, say it ended up the Lakers are playing against uh, Minnesota, okay? You wouldn't pick the T-Wolves tonight. I wouldn't pick the T-Wolves tonight. Yeah. In a scenario, the win to get to the playoffs scenario, come on. Now... If they got Chris Paul back, the Suns would bury their ass. <laughs> that would be you know if you got in the first round. Um, but how about how about Memphis? What what if it's a two seed Memphis Grizzlies versus a seven seed L.A. Lakers? I you ner- you're nervous in that series, right? You are nervous. More nervous than I would be if it were like the T Wolves or somebody like that. Of course, you got to respect yeah. these guys and what they've done. They got a lot of playoff scars, you Mm -hmm. know? And you play there, they're going to get every damn call. And it's going to turn into a half-court game. And so, do I think Memphis would be able to beat them? Of course. They've been better all year. They have have not shown that they have been good. You asked me, is there a sliver of hope? And, of course, because they have those players. You know... The worst thing for a team is that you don't have enough talent. That's not their problem. You know, they've got the talent. It's the figuring it out. And we're, you know, we're to the point where you can be like, all right, dude, they're just not figuring this out. But it's still veterans that have been around a long time that really don't give a shit about the regular season that, they just figure they'll turn it up when it matters most. And, of course, that's got to, you know, that's, you, you've got to give them respect. LeBron is, he's, he's been in a lot of big games, a lot of big games. He's been in a lot of big series. Now, this team stinks. They have stunk all year long. I'm just speaking to the sliver of hope. It has to exist when you've got those players. Has to. Got to get AD back, though, of course. Of like, course. That, that, uh, without, without him, it's all moot. But, you know, theoretically, if you get a healthy AD back for a uh, play-in and a potential first-round playoffs, um, there's still there's still li- little teeny-weeny bits of hope. Well, for they probably, look, there's to. a very good chance they solved all their problems with waving DeAndre Jordan and signing DJ Augustine. <laughs> that, that's the fix. That's all they've needed this whole year. They just needed DJ Augustine to start ahead of Russell Westbrook. If I'm DeAndre Jordan, I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. It's my fault? <laughs> like, I'm the one that gets cut? 
I was just here to be everybody's friend anyway. I haven't been good in three years. You brought me here because you thought I was good. Like I was just trying to be cool with everybody. I'm trying to give you know yeah, what, you, good vibes to the locker room. Yeah, who are you gonna who are you gonna look hang. to for comic relief now, Dwight? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the guy. I'm the only one smiling around here. You blaming me? <laughs> Oh man, that's so funny. We we're all like, "Is Vogel gonna be get the axe?" And then they wake up the next day and they're like, "The Lakers have waived DeAndre Jordan." Oh, problem solved. Why do you think Genie Bus and that Lakers front office are not firing Vogel? Because it's not his fault. I know. I know. I like. Do you think that's why? Like, they, like they think that's the reason internally that they have for not firing Vogel. Like they know. Like they know. The truth is, is everybody deserves some blame, including LeBron and Clutch for push, pushing for Russell Westbrook Be- and Palenka for actually listening and doing it instead of right. doing the heel deal. Right. And it's I, everybody. Yes. And I think that if you fire the coach, it feels like an admission that our coach and us keeping this coach employed is the problem rather than the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of those. Like, if you fire Vogel, suddenly, like, you're the one. You're in the crosshairs now. Right. (laughs) Oh, you should have fired him. You're right. David Mm -hmm. Fisdale goes there, and now all of a sudden they start playing hard. And LeBron is, like, you know, going in the press conference talking about how this feels like the Miami days. (laughs) Whatever the hell he's going to do. Right. I love Fizz. I love playing for Fizz. You know, this team's got a. New sense of energy, all this baloney, right? He's something else. Can't you see that happening? <laughs> right? And then it's like, I, bro, I wonder, bro, play hard for Frank Vogel. Why can't you do that? We pay you $30 million. I wonder if LeBron him. wants Palenka gone. If LeBron, like him, if you him wonder? Well, I mean, I'm saying like him complimenting, him complimenting Sam Presti. How much money do you think he'd like to see the Lakers throw at Sam Presti? And the Lakers don't have unlimited money. Infinity. Um, Infinity dollars. Yes. (laughs) But I don't know what the hell he was going to do. Everybody's got a number. I I wonder what Sam Presti's number is to leave OKC. You know how Masai Ujiri has just leveraged his way into millions of dollars with the Toronto Raptors? Sam Presti should be doing the same thing with the OKC Thunder. I wonder how much they pay him. Yeah, I don't know his salary. No idea. I, I mean, the highest paid GMs like get ten plus, or like the the highest. Not many. Like Masai Ujiri probably makes that. But, but then they they always like the president make, thing too, right? Yeah, like the, those the titles are weird. You know, some GMs are lower levels and president of basketball operations and. Some people are just, yeah, because you know, I saw even presidents. last week. What was that it's story I saw? And I was like, "What? Who? It was somebody announced who's going to be the GM?" And I was like, "What? I thought, uh, I thought the other guy ran the show there. Uh, oh, it was Mike Gansey, Mike Gansey that played at uh, West Virginia for Beeline back in the day. Uh, Mike Gansey, they said he was going to be the GM in Cleveland, but when you think about who runs the show in Cleveland, you think about Colby, right? Yeah." So you're right on the titles thing. Yeah. So Masai Ujiri, according to the Toronto Star last October, they say $15 million annually. That, that's wild. <laughs> 15? <laughs> 15, yeah. He's worth it. Yeah, he is. He's terrific. 
He's him and Bobby it. Webster up in Toronto. Wow. Uh, all right. Other things we got to get to. We have seen Philly play since we last Can spoke. Can I say one of the ran- random thought here? Yeah. Uh, Fred Vincent, the assistant coach of the Pelicans, uh, seeing what he's done now in consecutive years with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and now Herb Jones, who we've talked about a lot this year, Chris. He he goes from, you know, him in Alabama. You were the first person I ever heard talk about saying, Herb Jones is going to be an NBA player. He didn't shoot the ball well in college or high school. He shoots the ball well. He's shooting above 80% from the free throw line, shooting 35 plus percent from three. Like we're talking about Masai Ujiri as a front office guy worth a lot of money. Fred Vinson, like an, an assistant coach like that, who specializes in improving the success of your key players as a shooter. I wonder if coaches are underpaid too in, in those types of situations, like guys who can improve a player's jump shot. Just a thought on my mind there, Chris. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, for years it was always, there's only so many that are so good. Um, Not a lot. Especially, yeah. especially on the player development side that, there's there's not a lot that you know their name, but you I mean I could re- I could recite to you Chip England. I don't I can't tell you how many times I've heard Chip England's name over the last twenty years uh, for San Antonio. Like he's like he was always held up as like the gold standard. Oh, he worked with Chip England. Chip England did this. You know they got yeah. Kawhi with Chip England. They got this guy Dejounte Murray with Chip England. <laughs> it's like but Chip England doesn't leave. You know. <laughs> Like it's not somebody like mm-hmm. comes in and is like, "Hey, Chip England, we'll give you five million dollars to come over here." So I don't, I don't know, I don't know what those guys. I mean, he's, the guy's been there since two thousand and five, for goodness sakes. And so I'd imagine he gets taken care of. Yeah, and I also I think some coaches, not not everybody aspires to be the head honcho. Oh yeah, right. Because that because that that's where the lack of job security is oftentimes. That I mean, and for sure, Chip England in San Antonio, you have so much more job security working under Popovich than almost any other coach in the entire NBA, for that matter. Because there's so much turnover, you just don't know where your family's going to be living. If you ask me, shooting coaches, the first name I would say was Chip England. You know what the second one is? This is so funny because I haven't thought about this in a long time. Years ago, this probably. Damn near 20 years ago now. Hubie Brown came to coach the Grizzlies and he came in and he's like, all right, so you need to build your staff. All right. And he said, I'm going to bring in the best staff that you can have. Blah, blah, blah. He's going on, right? He's bringing in all these different guys. And he says, and I am going to bring in the best shooting coach in the world. This guy has taught people. I mean, it's like somebody that had like, like he was like talking about like ABA stuff, like Kentucky Colonels. Like I've known this guy since whatever. And he brings in this guy <laughs> and he said, the best shooting coach in the world, Dr. Hal Whistle. <laughs> so he brings it, Dr. Hal Whistle. And he brings him in as like the shooting coach. And like, of course, the Grizzlies start like making all these shots and what, like, you know, as time goes on. They start like making all these shots. They end up winning 50 games by the next year. And like it became this thing. Like, oh my God, Dr. Hal Whistle worked with these guys. And all of a sudden, it was just so and he was like, he was old by the time Hubie brought man. Now, of course, Hubie was old, but Jerry West had hired Hubie Brown. And then Hubie Brown brings in this guy. And you like, it's like this, it was like this old sage like walked in. 
It's like Dr. Hal Whistle has been teaching people how to shoot a basketball since like James Naismith. <laughs> did, did it help? Yes. Was he successful? Yeah, the guy was? Was, all, he guy was awesome. I see he's uh he's still alive, 83 years old right now. He's 83? Yeah, I could think of some teams that could use this help. They need to call Dr. Hal. You need to learn how to shoot. You need to call Dr. Hal Whistle. That's the guy. Was that the last time he coached? Was for Hubie? I believe so, from what I'm looking at here. I mean, that's early 2000s. No, he he coached Golden State for 06, 07. Oh, after hello. That, <laughs> oh, they didn't have those guys yet. <laughs> I was about to give him credit. I was going to give him credit for Clay and Curry. <laughs> it's the remnant. They probably found Dr. Hal's notebook laying yeah, around there. We, how to shoot a ball. We, we got... We get the real story here on the mismatch of how Dr. Al Whistle actually happens. Yeah, yeah. the guy behind the <laughs> he, scenes, Dr. Al laid the groundwork a couple years before they got there. That's what happened. <laughs> no, they found these old documents laying yeah, around. It was like the the book was like <laughs> it was like in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, how to shoot a basketball by yeah, Dr. Yeah. Al Uh, All right. Uh, We do need to talk about our first impressions from watching Philadelphia. I watched both of their games to start off. Yeah. What did you think? Give give me yours. You you know how I feel. I thought they were devastating. I I thought they were freaking devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, I also found it to be downright appalling. To watch. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. I thought that was going to be the first word out of your mouth. Look, I don't understand. I guess like people have short memories, but this celebration of James Harden, I, I, I don't know how people are celebrating that. That is, that was just gross to watch how awesome he was in those games and to think back about that Sacramento <laughs> game and, and frankly, how he has played the entire season. Like you saw that cockamamie thing that the, uh, the agent for Kyler Murray put out. And I was trying to think about this. Imagine if like Kyler Murray, who was like, unhappy with his plight. Next year, he just came out and started like throwing the ball into the ground and shit. (laughs) Throwing the ball to the, and throwing the ball to the other team and just like not giving a crap and walking to the sidelines. Like people would be outraged. They'd be going crazy. Absolutely crazy. If you thought Kyler Murray was just like throwing the ball into the ground you know, getting sacked, <laughs> you know, like getting sacked, um, dicking around, you know, during practices all the time or whatever, it's, it's flying out and going and partying right after they got their ass kicked <laughs> by the Ravens. It's like people would lose their minds and he would become like this pariah. And what I watched this weekend and like when we talked about, I, I, you know, one of the things I said to you was when that trade happened, I was like, you know, there's a lot of talk that they traded for Houston James Harden. They didn't trade for Houston James Harden. They traded for a, a, a James Harden that shot like 39% from the field, 30% from three or whatever his stats were this year. Not great. And uh, percentage-wise, effectiveness-wise. and. Then I watch it, and I'm like, holy shit, they traded for Houston James Harden. Like, he's still that guy. 
Like, what the hell? I don't know. Like, uh, in terms of basketball, I mean, they were devastating. Devastating. And the way Maxi played with them, but Ooh, it, is, it is appalling to watch him and know he is capable of that and just willfully didn't play that way. I hope my uh, the beginning of my workout can go only as well as James Harden getting back into shape has Man. gone. I, <laughs> I, I'm in the worst shape of my life personally. So if over the next three weeks I can get in the type of shape that James Harden did over three weeks since the, we saw that debacle against the Kings in early February, I'm going to be feeling pretty good in a little while because he, he just looks springier. He just looks more explosive. He has more burst. Doesn't he just seem quicker? He looks like James Harden! I know. He does. He (laughs) So annoying! It's it's so annoying. I I mean, I was honestly annoyed watching. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, really? Like, bro, what? He he tricked everybody. But they are. I'll, t- I'll, t- they, I'll I mean, tell they're going to go to the they're going to go to the free throw line ninety times a game. It's it's unbelievable. I and, mean, we uh, this is this is this is why I've been saying, Chris, for so long. We've never seen Embiid with a playmaker, a perimeter playmaker like James Harden, and now we're already through two games, starting to see just how much he's going to be able to draw free throws. So many of them off those pick and roll actions when Harden draws the defender, gives it to Embiid and on the roll, he's just rumbling towards the basket and he's legitimately drawing fouls. Like those were fouls a lot of the time that are getting called. Oh yeah. It's like they're legit fouls. It's just, he's never been in a position where he can get those calls. He's always earned it on the post battling after an offensive rebound, you know, going back up. Driving to the basket himself, he 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 very rarely would get just these easy catch, one dribble, go up, finish, or get fouled. And let me just but say Harden's this: going to provide those for him. I am a hundred percent. I I am not going to make any pretense about this. I am being a bona fide hater on this. Okay, so let me just get that out of the way. I know how good it is. I saw it. Okay. It's devastating. Now, they are going to have to play, you know, somebody that's not the T-Wolves and the, and, the, and the Knicks, and then we'll get a better read on it. And he will vomit all over himself when it matters most, like he always does. But in the meantime, <laughs> speaking of vomiting, when he set a screen for Maxi, I just threw oh, up yeah. all over my floor. I was like, okay, bro. You, you, bro, he hasn't set a screen in his career. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is so bogus, <laughs> so bogus. <laughs> this is so bogus. You setting screens, bro. You know, you just stand there and dribble the ball into the floor, and then take a step back three while four other guys stand around. That's what you do. You don't run around. He also had a three pointer that he hit off the catch when he when he migrated like into an open spot in the corner. He moved without the ball in his hands to get himself open for a pass. It was remarkable, <laughs> dude. Chris, like well, we saw Harden on his best behavior at the beginning of his time with the Nets. We saw some spurts like this with him at that point. 
with Philly, though. I was no, thinking but about it, this. that is totally fair, Kevin. I almost, this is when you know I have, I've trained myself. I, I've gotten some restraint because I typed in like hardened scary hours on Twitter and found like a ton of Harden and Durant, the most devastating duo, and like all of these different oh, things. Oh, like and tweets popped up. Yeah, okay, yeah, numbers they put up together, whatever. I thought and, you were going to tweet that yourself. I was like, Chris Vernon tweeting no. Harden Scary Hours. Who, who hacked him? No, 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 no. I, I, I did. I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I just searched. Okay, I see. Scary, you know, net scary hours Harden, or okay. Harden Durant okay. scary yeah. hours, whatever it was. And I mean, there's millions of them. Right. And it's about these games they played and how devastating they were. And we've never seen a duo like this in NBA history <laughs> and all this stuff. And I almost just started just retweeting them during the game while everybody was talking about Harden and Embiid. I started to just, <laughs> I wanted to just start retweeting all of these. They're like from last year, they're from a year ago to the day. And it's like the most devastating duo we've ever seen and all this stuff. And it's like, okay. Like, we just did this a year ago. And I hated it then. And this is even worse. It's fun to watch. It's fun It's fun to watch. It's going to be fun. I know the fall, the falls being, you know, drawn the other night was not fun. But uh, the, these guys are going to have some outstanding nights That together. dude needs to have a damn diet, the hardened diet. How You talk about how you're in the worst shape. How do you lose 20 pounds in two weeks? Like, he needs to put out the hardened diet. Whatever he does. Yeah. Because this the Joker method, like, like like the TV twelve method, just have like a series. The hardened method, athletes. yeah. And maybe yeah. it's just I stopped going to the clubs. I stopped drinking. I stopped I had one drink. One drink instead of two drinks. Yeah. Stop eating. You know, <laughs> whatever. It, I stopped getting pizza at night. Whatever it does, I don't know. Yeah, that's a big one. You you, you gotta stop having pizza at night if you want to lose weight. That, that's a good one. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. The hardened. He diet. looks great. He looks great. So it's bogus. It's working. It's working. <laughs> you, I know you love it so much. And it's, it makes me. It, 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 yeah. it, it makes me sick to my stomach to watch him. How yeah. good he is. It really does. I know. I can't I know, take I know, it. I know. I know it hurts after months of hearing me say they should wait. Oh, for the potential, just the slim chance. And, and I, but who could have seen Harden look this great this soon? After just a couple of weeks off, the Harden diet, get it now. Yeah, like, look, he'd probably make a billion dollars like he needs some money. Mm. Good grief. All right. Well, look, let's watch him play some good teams first. Minnesota and New York. No, I know, but it doesn't even matter. When they play a good team, guess what? They're going to go to the line 70 times against them, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, we're, we, we're going to see that pretty soon. Pretty soon, they, they do have New York on Wednesday, then Cleveland, then Miami, then Chicago. The Miami game is the big one. Yes. So they get, they get, they get some tougher games coming up after. Uh, the Miami one is the big one because Miami will get up for that game big time. It's the second night of a back-to-back, too, for Philly. They, they're, in, they, they are at home against Cleveland on Friday, then away against Miami on oh, Saturday. <laughs> you're dead. Schedule that. Uh, look, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'll celebrate when the Heat win, but that is schedule loss times a thousand. Because they'll be on a win streak at that point. They won't have lost probably since Harden's been there. And you're flying. You're flying from Cleveland, which will probably be an early game. 
you get to get there to Miami on your win streak. And James Harden, that's his first chance to take out all the guys. Oh, boy. They are going to feel like trash on Friday. Trust me. That Miami trip is a death trap anyway for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, good luck. <laughs> good, good luck. Uh, maybe, hey, maybe part of the Harden diet is you don't go out when you go on Miami. Business trip. Yeah. All business. <laughs> Said no player in NBA history. <laughs> I've never been to Miami. Have you been to Miami? I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a Miami type of guy. Am I a Miami guy, Chris? Would I have fun down there? I I don't know. I I doubt it. I remember I last like time we were in guy. Vegas, you told me you had never been to a club, right? Never been to a club, no. No. I tried back in Montreal back in the day. My friends didn't want to go, though. That's a long story. I'll tell that whole story another day. We're going to do that. We're, I'm taking you to a club at Summer League this year. I just got the email saying Summer League is July 7th through the 17th. So you got the best clubs. Is Vegas where you get the best clubs? I mean, Vegas is pretty damn good. Mm. Vegas is pretty good. But I guess Miami, I've, I haven't been to Miami either. But Lord knows I've heard the stories. And yeah. It, yeah, I don't think you'd fit in. <laughs> uh, uh, so send me i'll go for the uh the all-in summit uh some tech some tech uh summit that's what tech, i'll go for tech summit. I'll, I'll do i'll do that in miami uh, that's gonna do it for today's show uh thank you to our executive producer jesse lopez as always kevin i'll talk to you on friday i'm looking forward to have a great week chris There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.